All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of the Steelers postgame podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the SteelCurtain.com. Joining me as always, Dave Schofield, editor of BTSE, and Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer. We are continuing to go through our uh, grading. We're grading, giving out grades as we always do in the postgame. Before we do this, I want to talk about the inactive list. Um, Robert Spillane, <laughs> Dave, go ahead and explain it. Just go okay. ahead and explain what happened. <laughs> Because I think it matters. I think this matters to talk about now. Well, and not only that, I I had several players that I thought I picked all the correct positions for the inactive list. I just wasn't sure which players it would be in those positions. And I actually had an article ready to go. I had names in there so I could delete other names. I'm like, I'm going to pick the the most notable name and put it as the headline. So I get the inactive list. I put the headline on there. Buddy Johnson, inactive for the Steelers in week one. Leads inactives for Steelers in week one. Only to find out nine minutes later, when the Steelers publish it, it's not Buddy Johnson. It's Robert Spillane. And I'm like, nah, they they always give it to Labriola to report, and he reports it. Apparently, from the time they told him, hey, this is what it's going to be, send it out at 1130, to the time they actually had to turn it in is when they had to make the call with Robert Spillane having a shin injury in pregame warmups. So, therefore, Spillane ended up out, and Buddy Johnson ended up in. So that's why it wasn't Robert Spillane. Some people, as soon as they saw it, they're like, oh, is this going to, what's this mean to the depth chart? No, it was an injury thing. So they went with it. Um, don't know where that would have put Spillane on special teams. I thought of it right off the bat on that uh, kickoff return, if that would have been different. But uh, who knows? But that's how that went down. All right. It's good to know because we're going to talk about the defense. Let's start off. Looking at Josh Allen's numbers, and then we're going to base our grades off of that. Josh Allen goes 30 of 51, throws for 270 yards, a 5.3 average, one touchdown, no interceptions, was sacked three times. He's a tough guy to bring down. That's really important. 79.7 rating. Let's talk about the Steelers' pass rush first. The Steelers finished the game with eight quarterback hits. Okay, that's that's incredible. And then three sacks, TJ Watt with two, Cameron Hayward with a third. They that were, was almost a half a sack and two and a half. I, I yeah. wasn't sure if they yeah. were going to give TJ half on that one, but Hayward was definitely there first, but TJ helped him from not getting away. Sorry. If if Josh Allen is, let's say, a Tom Brady-type quarterback, he's going to sit in the pocket. They're, they would have had eight sacks. They would have lit up the scoreboard. Like, eight or the, ten. The stack, like the rolling yeah. numbers. Let's rate the pass rush, grade the pass rush, I should say. Brian, we'll start with you. We'll go in the same order. I thought the pass rush was absolutely phenomenal. I have one guy that I want to mention is Melvin Ingram the third. I think he changes what they can do on that team by having a third starter in there. So you mix and match and pull those guys in and out, move them around. He's playing on both sides um, in relief. He's playing early and often. He's getting to the quarterback. Uh I thought they were great. I did not expect – I was afraid that that sack record was going to fall this week. And it looked for a while that, all right, it very well could. But then they got it going. And also, not just the sacks, how many more sacks would have had if the Bills weren't holding everybody? <laughs> Highsmith would have had a sack. Um, you know, there, there was uh, – Ingram would have had a sack. There were so many sack opportunities. Okay. That's, so did you – what was the grade again? A. A. All right, Dave, grade the pass rush. Yeah, that sounds good. A A sounds great. I mean, how great is it to where TJ Watt comes off the field and you're not overly concerned about it? 
because you've got two other players that are re- that are also getting the job done. I'm not saying they're both TJ Watt, but what I'm saying is it's not it's not oh my goodness what a fall off. That all three of them fantastic job constantly bringing the pressure and they were they were held. I I put a picture on Twitter the touchdown that the Bills scored. The the offensive TJ Watt made it around the offensive line. He reached back and grabbed his shoulder. Was the only reason Josh Allen was not sacked on that and threw that touchdown pass. And how that doesn't get called, I I don't know. That one was to me the most egregious out of any of the missed calls. But that's just what they were the, what they were doing. Um, but I mean, the, and my dad asked me, is this is the is the Bills line that bad or is the Steelers pass rush that good? To me, the Steelers' pass rush is that good. I agree. They, they, they were re- they, that's elite. Like that was an elite performance by the pass rush. Let me ask you all this because you all, Brian, especially Brian, is and Dave, you too, you have mind for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Michael Beck was asking on Twitter, "Is this the best Steelers trio of pass rushers that we've ever seen, at least in the modern era?" Think about the pass rushers. So we have Ingram, Highsmith, Watt. Is there been any trio that's been better? Either of you, Brian, Dave, whoever wants to go, go. You know what? I'm going to say no, this isn't the best because that Blitzburg team had a lot of great pass rushers. You had you could throw Gildan and Chad Brown in the mix along with the fact that you had Green um, and Lloyd. There was, you know, just, just from an edge perspective. Just, so throw you had Chad three Brown edges out. that so much so that you put them all, you want to even get them all three on the field at the same time. Then no, um, I, I don't think there's another. If you're just talking straight edge rushers, yes, and just edge. Then the no, I, I can't recall anybody. Yeah. Who was the third with Harrison and Woodley? Was there a third there for them? Was it uh, Hagen? Was it was it Worlds? Well, Worlds was there in 2010. World. Yeah. Um, you had Hagen's in there for a little bit because, like, but even even then, that's not even comparable. Yeah, I no, th- this is really that good. And With this is TJ just one being game. that good and the other two being that good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This is just yeah. one game. Yeah. TJ Watts on pace for 34 sacks this year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it should, <laughs> and you know what? With that half, it yeah. should if be. They would, it, if it they would have given him that half, yeah. it would be 42. Yeah. <laughs> Tom here gives us $3, one for each total sack. Thank you, Tom. We yeah. appreciate it indeed. Um, all right, so uh, I give them an A. What else can be said? Yeah. But let's go to the uh, secondary. The Steelers did surrender a lot through the air, three two hundred seventy yards. But boy, I'll tell you what, this on fifty one attempts though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, you, when you look at the numbers, I mean, pass breakups or pass defenses. Minka had one. G- let's see. Cam Hayward with two. Ingram with one. Seven total. Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton, my gosh, I feel like I could talk about Cam Sutton for an entire show. But grade the secondary in terms of the pass, uh, the the secondary, yeah, pass defense. There we go, got it. Go ahead, Brian. Nailed it. <laughs> I am giving this secondary an A. I have to, and the reason I have to give him this, I know it's very optimistic, and I'm wearing my fan hat right now. But how much did they connect with the deep ball? 51 times throwing that ball, you know, it's all that short stuff to Diggs and Sanders. Now I know he did overthrow Sanders and that would have been disastrous if he doesn't, doesn't throw up, throw over his head in the first half because, you know, Sanders was wide open there, but for the most part, 
they shut this team down. They did. They they changed how Josh Allen passes the ball because Josh Allen could go deep. He's we've seen him go deep early and often, and he was just going with his little dink and dunk stuff because he had no choice. Yeah. It, they did limit the deep passes. Young Money crew didn't do much. Uh, Dave, I can't stand Manuel Sanders, by the way. Let oh, me just oh get that. I hate oh, that I guy. Hate, I, <laughs> talk about burning every break. Right. I'm going to see him as much as Antonio Brown. Anyways, Dave, no, go no. ahead and grade the secondary. Uh, first, I do want to say this. Take this, national talking heads. How about a higher quarterback rating for Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger than for Josh Allen? Okay, uh, 83.9 versus 79.7. And the thing is, they're like, oh, Allen had to throw the ball when they were tra- – no, he had more pass attempts in the first half than the second. He had 26 in the first, 25 in the second. So it, it wasn't that. They were throwing the ball like crazy the whole time. And the secondary, the thing that gave up the most for them I'm, – I'm going to give them an A just before I forget to say that – was when the Steelers had the 10-point lead with nine minutes left, I felt that they went too soft on their defense. And that's actually when they when the when they ran the ball against them even more because of how soft the Steelers went with their defense because they were up two scores. I thought it was a little early, but next thing you know, my dad points it out to me. Hey, seven minutes came off the clock, and this and the point margin is still the same after Boswell hits that forty-five yarder. So I'm like, yeah, so that kind of helped. And then at the end, I know some people were really frustrated. You can't give up a fourth and 10 right there. Did you see where the secondary was set up? They were set up 15 yards deep. They, I mean, it would have been nice to just end it there because they only needed the one play, but they wanted to, they would rather give up 15 yards and, and prolong the game than let someone get past them and get the big score there. That was just the philosophy that they had based on the game situation. So when you look at some of those yards and some of those plays, that's that's something that 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 yes, you don't like that, but that's the way that they were choosing to play it, not even from a player standpoint. Was pretty happy with a I mean, everyone didn't play perfect. I mean, my goodness, it was week one. But all in all, I thought they did a nice job. What was your grade, Dave? I said A. Okay. I'm gonna give him an A as well, maybe an A minus. I'm leaning one way or the other. Jeffrey Benedict said this. I'm going to bring this up. He said, love the move to put Norwood in the nickel and keep Sutton outside, then bring Pierre in the dime outside and let Sutton play his old dime role. That was a great move. When I hear this, this type of talk, and he's not the only person that has alluded to some of this stuff, it's almost like, wow, it's almost like the Steelers know how to coach defense. Like, and they know yeah. their personnel. Yeah. And, that, and it just goes to show you that there's so many fans that do not trust this Steelers coaching staff at all to put players in the best position to succeed. I thought they did a great job. The Steelers secondary better, but after one game, would you say better or worse than 2020? Brian, what do you think? I think better at this point, I have to say, I mean, they, they really took away the long stuff more than they did last year. Dave, you agree, disagree. I mean, it seemed like they were doing like they did last year and trying to go at Cam Sutton and he just kept making play I mean yeah he gave up the touchdown but my goodness that was that was fantastic defense on that on that and just an even better throw and catch if you think about it so right now I'm giving this advantage to to 21 it's early the fourth down stop by Cam Sutton erases that touchdown for me like that was such a heady play because he could have crashed down the line of scrimmage go ahead Dave exactly but here's the other thing and here's why Buffalo ran that play and I don't blame them if he was the only guy out there, and if the full block, if the uh, full back is able to block him, 
then that's a 20-yard gain, if not a touchdown. But Sutton not only did what he needed to do, he didn't allow himself to get blocked by that fullback and make the play. So when you say, oh, that was a terrible call by the Bills, it was designed right, but the fullback couldn't make the block on the only guy that he had to block, and then he's running for the – he's off to the races. So that's a fantastic play by Cam Sutton. And Mike Tomlin said in the post-game press conference that they had noticed this, that the Bills like to do that fullback dive on short yardage situations and that they had mm-hmm. coached up that this would be something they would possibly do to – they know they're going to study that play. So they're be prepared for the the kick out or the, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a play off of that fullback dive, and that's exactly what happened. Again, these guys get paid to coach. So yeah. – Tyler W gives us $5. His defense put on up a highlight reel against one of the best offenses in the NFL. The secondary stood firm. The doubters, including me, were silenced. Um, would you all say that the Buffalo Bills had one of the top offenses in the NFL? They were supposed to, weren't they? And they were, I mean, on paper. Yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. was talking about Josh Allen as the MVP candidate. And, you know, he was the number two quarterback in, in all of fantasy football behind Mahomes and all, all of these things. So there was a lot of expectations there. Not only that, but the fact that this was the number two offense in all of 2020. And it seems like they, uh, they've grown so much since then. They didn't really mm-hmm. lose anything. I, I thought this – I really think that this is going to be a juggernaut offense. I don't think that they're going to be bad. Um, it was just a very interesting situation. And they did something really odd at the beginning of the game. They had one of their running backs, who everybody was counting on, Zach Moss, be a healthy scratch. So I thought yeah. that was really odd. And they brought Brita in. Yeah. And as uh, Darwin Nolan said yeah. in uh, – in the live chat, they averaged 30.6 points per game last season. So yeah. holding them to 16 was pretty impressive. I do want to bring this up just because it's on the top of my head. Boy, some of the coaching decisions that the Bills made in the second half, I felt were very curious. We'll put it that way. Borderline idiotic. Uh, fourth and eight going for it. I'd have gone for that. I wouldn't have. The Steelers, the Steelers wouldn't have, but I would have. The Steelers because, offense hasn't done crap at that point. Make them drive the entire length of the field. Well, they had just – wasn't that just after they kicked the field goal, right? Yeah. So I'm like – so, yeah, I, I, I see your point. But my point was it was too long for a field goal, and it was – you had a chance of gaining, you know, 15 yards for a punt if it goes in – you know, 20 yards on a punt if it goes into the touchdown zone. So therefore, I understand if you think you've got the offense to do it. Um, the fact that they threw, the fact that they threw it thirty yards down the field was a little curious, but that's what Ben Roethlisberger would have done. Well, but then again, also the decision <laughs> on fourth down to go for where Cam Sutton comes up and makes the play yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, you're giving the Steelers the struggling Steelers offense even at that point. They're but, you're giving them great yeah. field position, even if it's only at their 35. Their, I think after the Cam Sutton stop, I believe they started at the 48-yard line, their own 48. Mm-hmm. But still, just really questionable decisions. I feel like the Bills are going to be looking back at this game and say, boy, did we screw the pooch. Brian, do you agree? Absolutely. I thought they were cocky moves. Very good coach, man. They, I mean, one of the smartest offensive coaches in the league, I think, is uh, Sean McDermott. And Brian Daybold is a very qualified coach as well. I just thought that uh, those – I thought they felt that they had this all along. And those were moves of a team that were quite cocky. 
and they underestimated what Pittsburgh could do. All right. Um, I guess uh, according to a life, lifelong fan 07, we need to smile more. He says, why do you guys look sad? I don't, I'm not sad. I think we're all ecstatic right I'm now. That super we <laughs> what do I need to do? I was, the only uh, you know what? I, I am, there's one thing that has me sad that I'm going to call out right here, right now. Okay. Why in the world did Jeffrey Benedict not make a pick in the survivor pool? He didn't make a pick. He didn't make a pick. I don't even know who I picked. Um, I'm trying to that, find You know it. what? To me, that's absolutely <laughs> that's amateur. I can't believe somebody <laughs> would forget to do that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, Jeffrey, come, come on. Yeah. I need to life coach you, man. Let's see. Um, pick pick <laughs> Shiner got eliminated by, by picking the Jaguars. Uh, pick yeah. Shiner's out? Pick Shiner is oh, out. I was rooting I for that guy. That. I was rooting I'm for trying him. to find Jeff. Where's Jeff? There you go. You have the same pick I have. You have the Rams later on. Now, I think I picked Carolina. So I think I'm alive. Are you in? Are you in the first league, or did you not get into the second one? I'm in the first league. Yes. Okay, I got to find you now. Um, So I believe I I went with the Panthers. Yes, you went to the Carolina Panthers. Who won? And so did the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime. The Bengals came back to beat the Vikings 27-24 in overtime. After Jordan Berry had a 65-yard punt. Um, mm-hmm. and then, then for the, for, and then to get the Vikings, the ball back in a good position. And then they fumbled it away and the Bengals scored yeah, enough crazy. Jordan Berry talk. We yes. don't want to bring that guy up. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh <laughs> Just for Steelers. You, Jeff. Yeah. The rush defense, the Steelers, uh, they only they well, carried the ball 25 times. Josh Allen had nine of those. Some of them were designed runs. So they rushed for 117 yards, 4.7 yards. A lot of that came right on those, that final yeah. offensive drive for the bills, uh, guys, let's talk about the Steelers' rush defense graded out. Brian, what do you think? I'm giving them an A as well because the big rushes were way at the end of the game when the uh, the Steelers were probably going to be protecting against the pass more when you had, uh, gosh, uh, Singletary, Devin Singletary going off a little bit towards the end. But that was stuff that I was not even concerned with. Because most of the time, for the longest time, I, I think the leading rusher was Josh Allen for a while with mm-hmm. seven yards. They didn't do well at all. So that the rushing defense held them in check. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was 70 yards through three quarters, if you look at it that way. And, and just those couple at the end when they were – you know, you don't want to give up that much yardage at one time. And that's why I didn't like that the Steelers were going so soft so early because they were really giving up those those couple runs. But you know what? It, it, it worked out for them. So why should I question it? So overall, I felt that for most of the game, the Bills could not run the ball um, with the exception of Josh Allen being able exactly. to get out. So therefore, I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give it an A minus because I just I which really is I'm I'm knocking more the pass defense of allowing the the quarterback to scramble on the non-design runs. Okay, let's go to I'll give the rush defense a B, solid okay. B. Um just because Josh Allen is when I think of the running game, I think of him and not a running back. So keep mm-hmm. that take that for what it's worth. Let's go to special teams now. Special teams I want to just lump into one. You're giving a special teams grades. You have to think about the 75-yard return to open the game. You have to think about the block punt, scoop score, touchdown, Ulysses Gilbert third, and everything in between. We had a Jordan Berry-esque shank by Big Press. 
although he did follow that up with some other good punts. So Brian Anthony Davis grade the Steelers special teams as a whole. So if we're taking all of that in consideration right away, you should go into the C zone. But I think we'll go with a C plus because Chris Boswell came up huge. That touchdown was a game breaker and the 75 yard, the 75 yard return from the bills at the beginning only netted three points. So I'm going to uh, say that everything else in between kind of pushes the arrow towards the plus more than just right down the middle. So we'll go C plus. All right, Dave, what about you? I'm going to go B and it's because it would have been an A or an A plus because of everything else other than one, the, the opening kickoff two the, the, the last kickoff, um, I was frustrated. I mean, come on, Danny Smith. Why are you having Chris Boswell doing the short run-up late in the game trying to not just do a touchback after you've given up these yards? The one thing that you – when you went up 10 points with, you know, on the, on, your, on the last field goal, the last thing you wanted to do was give them a big return. So just let them start at the 25. And yet the philosophy was, let's see if we can we can do that. I, did, I didn't like that call as much as anything, but I'm not going to blame the players as much for that. So other than those couple returns, I mean, block, punt, touchdown, that's what won the game. When you think about yeah. it, that's what won the game. It changed the Cam Sutton play, then followed by that one on the next, on the next series. That's two fourth down plays back-to-back that changed this game completely. And if there's such thing as a 75-yard return that could turn into a positive somehow, the Steelers experienced that when they gave up a 75-yard return. The defense comes out and shuts them down three plays, and they're kicking a field goal. So not that I want to see a 75-yard return to start the game. The defense goes out and does that. I guarantee that gave them a little bit of optimism. You know, They're starting to feel good about themselves in this matchup. Matty Peverell. Gives a seven ninety nine in Dingo dollars. He Dingo said this dollars. win helps when it comes to playoff positioning, tiebreakers, particularly if we finish with nine to eleven wins, uh, plus a oh, what the hell is he just un, talking un, like, undefeated? Undef- <laughs> plus a what? Undefeated. A perla of a punt block? Is he speaking Australian or perla, something? I yeah. thought they spoke. Yeah, <laughs> yo, Jeff needs to spend some time. With them on that show as they uh, uh, as they do their slang, <laughs> sling the slang. So sling the slang. There just you just go. not just, smile. That's what I do. With you guys yeah, just just check, just check out touchdown under. Okay, we have about eight minutes left. I want to do game balls. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's go ahead and you can pick on it. It's just one game ball this time. We're only giving out one game ball. It can be offense, defense, special teams doesn't matter. And we're gonna keep the rotation. Brian, go ahead. <laughs> Just to piss off Dave. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's so many to give out, and there's some obvious ones. I'm going to go less obvious, and I'm giving a game ball to Trey Norwood, who I thought did a lot of things. Whoa! Sorry, I'm surprised. I thought he did a lot of things in this game to give that team confidence, and he was not a liability, so they could focus on other things. I know that's probably out of left field, but come on. From the cheap seats, let's give it to Trey. I should expect nothing less from BJ Finney. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) at least he plays for the Steelers, right, Brian? All right, let's (laughs) let's go to Dave. Who's your game ball? Okay, my game ball, 
to me, there was three players, and Brian didn't take one of them. So you and I might have to cover all three of them. But it's it's big ninety seven. My goodness, that guy was all over the place. I mean, two passes defensed, a tackle for loss, a quarterback hit, a sack. You know, four tackles, and he was just eating up blockers. Just anytime you you wanted to see where you know, even TJ. TJ sack like the the strip sack with TJ, it's because he was a Josh Allen went to step up in the pocket and Cam Hayward was there, so he had to go to the side and Watt comes from behind and gets him. That's why you know sacks as a team is a really big important thing. But I thought Big Cam stepped up and looked phenomenal today. I'm going to go with Tom Murugis is two dollars. The game ball goes to the 100 million dollar man TJ mm-hmm. Watt Trent Jordan. I mean, the dude signs a huge deal. And everyone's eyes are on him. What do you do? You go out and you make a, a, a game impacting plays is what he did. Mm-hmm. And don't think there's so many plays that he makes that are, it just goes as like a, maybe a half tackle, but, or maybe like a tackle for loss, but they're huge plays. TJ Watt with no preseason, no team drills, nothing went out and dominated. That's what I saw. He absolutely dominated. Let's go to Frodo. Frodo Watt. I guess that's the long lost brother. Four ninety nine. <laughs> he said, "Bold prediction: TJ Watt wins league MVP and has the sack record: twenty four sacks, thirty five tackles for loss, twelve forced fumbles, and fifty quarterback hits." He yells, say, "Someone save those numbers!" Hey. And, that's crazy. And, and you and know someone, what? Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Aaron Donald will still win Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, and I yeah. took it. Per- and um, I took it personally. <laughs> awesome stuff. Brought this up. I still missed two of Cam's stats. He had a forced fumble, which unfortunately Josh Allen still recovered, and he had the fumble recovery on the TJ Watt strip sack. So I mean, you was, think that fumble recovery? Did Cam come up come up with that ball? Cam had the ball. Yes, he was. He was credited with that, according to the NFL media report. Wait, 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 no, no, no. I'm talking about when he was chasing down Allen. Oh, Allen? Yeah. Causes the fumble. The ball clearly is a fumble. Mm-hmm. Did he come up with the football? Does I think know? he took it away from Allen when Allen was down. So, uh, he muscled Allen it away. If they wouldn't have been able to see that Allen got it, Cam would have come out of the pile with it. But I think that they could see that he got it. I thought that I don't was, blame him. Way to go for it. I thought that was one that they could have maybe challenged if they felt that he Buffalo got it. Buffalo ran, ran quick after that. They got up to the line and went. Yeah. So... All right, let's do some final thoughts here. Brian, Anthony Davis, what are your final thoughts for this game in week one? Wow, we had so many weeks to gear up for the Buffalo game. It seems like we have been talking about Bills Mafia, Josh Allen, the Steelers offensive line, the Steelers secondary, the lack of depth all over the place, TJ Watt's contract, you know, it all came together. You just talked about TJ Watt, and he did the ultimate, hey, guys, hold my beer, goes in, wrecks everything. Cam Hayward was missing Stefan Tuitt on the other side. And we talked about this on the preview the other day. And we said that this guy is the guy that is going to step up as well. And one guy we didn't give a game ball because I went all the way from left field (laughs) was Cam Sutton. Yes. And Cam Sutton's a guy that we have been talking about the whole time. The Steelers got to bring in another cornerback. They just can't do it. They should have never gotten rid of Steven Nelson. Blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal. Cam Sutton stepped up and showed that he belongs. This whole team has heard how they were going to lose to Buffalo. Everybody said it. People that believe in the Steelers even said it, except for Jeff, who who is um, who is in the know. But... <laughs> 
the bottom line to the whole thing is this is a team that believes. This is a team that has an us against the world mentality. Chase Claypool even said that the other day on our BTSC exclusive interview that they have that mentality and they know what they have. They believe. We've got to start believing, and this could be special. So this is a win that, to me, was one of the most satisfying of my entire 40-plus years of watching the Pittsburgh Steelers because I just have watched this movie over and over again, and this movie ends early on with a team like Buffalo winning. Not today. The narrative has changed. Let's change our narrative with it. All right, let's get to Wilson's $5 tip. He says, game ball goes to Canada. The offensive play calling, play design, game plan, and corrections made the difference. Cam is close second. He was huge. Yeah, I've never thought about giving it to the offensive coordinator, but maybe you could. Dave, go with your final thoughts. All right, I've got a lot of final thoughts. So um, this is – I just suck. Don't take this in. Take it all in, Steelers fans, because, you know, Bill's Mafia started leaving uh, the so stadium – when the after when the Steelers went up 10 with nine minutes left, people were starting to leave. Okay. Then when Boswell hit the hit the field goal later on, they poured out of that place. We heard them talking smack for the longest time. And guess what? The Steelers came in. I mean, it wasn't if they were going to win. The question was about how much they were going to win by. Was the was the question, and that's just how they they felt that they ended up with a with a perfectly easy game to start the season, and it wasn't. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. The if the Steelers could actually pull off this game, which was one. I mean, if you if when you go golfing, Jeff, and you look at the card, and it tells you, you know, you've got the easiest hole and you've got the most difficult hole as you go through, and and they rank them. This was one of the more difficult games on the Steelers schedule. This was like road. a this is like the two or three handicap hole. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- thanks for saying it the right way. Or I was, I was afraid I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> That's why I said it the way I did. You know, that was this game, and they did it, and they didn't even score in the first half. They didn't even score in the first half, but the defense did the job, kept them in this game, and at the end of end of the game when they were trying to. Um, you know, hold on to a lead. They, they were banded, don't break and gave up three and not seven. So, I mean, if not, you're still talking about a 10 point game. There's a lot to be excited about. I wasn't sure if the Steelers would bring it together enough to win this game. I said, I felt that the defense would do the job. I didn't know if they could get enough points otherwise. And they found a way to do it. Now look out because now that rest of the NFL are going to be looking for you. They're going to be trying to exploit that that offensive line as a weakness. You've got to come out ready to work, ready to go, and let's go get the win at home next week. Well said, gentlemen. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and say that I think Ron Chess put it up. Put it well. He said, uh, "Fan, he's been a fan for 50 years." He said, "Dedicate this win to Tunchilkin." Yes, that's absolutely. That's a good way to finish the show today. Tunch would be smiling ear to ear. I'm sure. All I can think about is him with the get your bags packed for going to Denver yeah. from Indianapolis. Such a great line. Yeah. So rest in peace, Tunchokin. This this wins for you there, my friend. Even though we never met, we all felt like he was part of the family. So thanks for listening to a part of this. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and we will see you next week after they play the Raiders, the Steelers, and Raiders at Heinz Field. Take it easy. We'll see you next week.